Wow, those character images move so realistically. I can even recognize that walk. How do they do that? Have you ever wondered how motion capture is used to best simulate reality? Well, stay tuned, because in this episode, number 2121, the CG Bros will be doing a deep dive into that subject when they answer the commonly asked question, what is motion capture? And how is it used in film and gaming? On the CG Bros CG Insider Podcast. Hello and welcome to the CG Insider Podcast. I'm Sean Johnston, one of your hosts for today's podcast. And I'm Bill Johnston. And we're the CG Bros. Have you ever heard the term motion capture or simply mocap, as we say in the business, and wonder what it might be? If you know what it is, do you know how or where and why it is used? Well, don't feel bad if you don't. The CG Bros recently received this question from Amanda B. from Ontario, Canada on our Ask Us Anything page at our favorite website, thecgbros.com. And she asks, what, what's motion capture and how is it used? Especially in regards to film and gaming spaces. So this is the subject of today's podcast, episode number 2121. And by the end of today's podcast, you'll learn about the technology of motion capture and how it's used in the film and gaming industries. And we may even touch on some other interesting things that mocap is used for that you may not be aware of. Yes, and you'll also learn about some of the history behind the art of motion capture and what requirements and opportunities are available if you're thinking of uh, working as a mocap director, a mocap performer, a mocap editor, or a mocap technician, uh, either for creating movies, animated features, or top quality video games. Um, we're also going to give you our personal take and some insights that we have about motion capture that we've learned along the way. And um, we'll talk about some of the techniques and some of the software tools that are used in the industry. And, um, you know, hopefully you'll be able to determine if this is something you can do on your own or, or something you want to try as a hobby to, to bring your characters to life. Um, so let's go ahead and get started by talking about exactly what motion capture is. Uh, John, what is motion capture? Oh, it's well, it's simply the process of recording uh, live action movements of people or objects um, within the industry, entertainment industry. It refers to just recording actions of performance within a, a motion capture volume and using that information in the computer to give life to, you know, digital actors and models um, and, you know, using that and creating either 2D or 3D computer animation. Mm -hmm. um, so today, um, for example, their, their main four main capture techniques. There's optical, we'll go into these a little bit more, but uh, optical, passive, which are reflective markers on the character or the person, the performer. Then there's optical active, which are uh, markers that emit light as opposed to having just reflective markers. And then there's uh, inertial, which are uh, gyroscopes and magnetometers where they don't actually have markers, but they actually have um, these, uh, you know, um, chips that have these uh, inertial measurements. And then, of course, the last one would be uh, using video or markerless uh, motion capture. So motion capture is, is basically the process of recording and digitizing the movement of an object or a person. Correct. Yes. It sounds like there's a lot of technology uh, behind that. Um, oh, my gosh. There's a ton. I mean, just looking at the history of everything that we talked about in the last podcast with, you know, matte painting and rotoscoping and everything that we talked about, all of those things built, you know, uh, all the technology we are today, which everything just kind of, you know, um, progressed over, over, gosh, since the 1700s to the 1800s to the, to today, 
it's there's so much it's amazing the technology um of early you know even going back to um the history of it where you you start with um yeah you know the rotoscoping that we talked about last time um photogrammetry or you're mm-hmm. you know recording different um uh in time you're 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 taking pictures of different um let's say a bird or a person running or a horse and then you've got uh, from different angles so you can get um you know spatially you can see those uh the motion moving and understand how uh people move in and and objects yes yeah, so, so if you're here for our last podcast uh, uh 2120 where we talked about rotoscoping and we we mentioned that uh rotoscoping was the big brother of of the matte painting technique um but, but in this case rotoscoping is the big brother of motion capture correct yeah. um you know because it was it was initially you know a, a simple form of motion capture where you know um you had live action references and, and we talked about how walt disney you know pioneered the technique to kind of create the studio's first feature-length movie, Snow White. And basically what they did was they they uh, filmed actors. Um, they shot shot actors on film and, and that actually played out the parts. And then the artists would go back and trace over that film to kind of imitate the motion that the actors were, were doing. And it, it was a smash at the box office. So, I mean, the technique as a, you know, it was, it was just something that had never been seen before. And that that, that was really the... The first or earliest form of, I think, motion capture as it relates to kind of what we're talking about today. Right. That's the Max uh, Fleischer, right? Uh, right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another, uh, well, yes. And another one would be the uh, Edward Muybridge. Um, I have a book. One of the ones I first got in animation was uh, was really uh, interesting to see the sequ- sequential photographs he uh, captured in his motion studies. And I don't know if this is true or not, but I did read that uh, he was actually investigating another person um, that uh, I think it was uh, Mary or M-A-R-E-Y, one of the one of the guys who who started doing uh, sequential photographs as well. And he said that uh, the horse that uh, a horse would be uh, off the ground with all four of his legs uh, for a brief moment uh, or all his his hooves. Mm -hmm. And in order to prove that to be true, he set up. Um, a, you know, string across or a thread across um, multiple cameras and ran the, the horse through there and ended up, uh, yeah, wow, it was true. Uh, it was pretty interesting. So every, t- every time he t- tripped a thread, it would take a picture? Every, every one, yeah. Every yeah, time he yeah. did that. Yeah, that was, that's crazy to think that, that uh, they had that uh, idea, you know, just, but it makes sense too. How, did, how do you do this? You set up multiple cameras and just have a, have a thread going across. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting that that's kind of how motion capture is still is used today. I mean, it's funny. I mean, it's basically, uh, you know, a, a system consisting of, you know, a bunch of, you know, infrared ca- based cameras or, or other other cameras. But basically, these cameras are they're positioned around what's called a motion capture stage. Right. And then the, the cameras are mounted around the stage and then they 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 look or they, they flood the stage's volume with infrared light to to, uh, you know, to basically reflect off the the markers that people have on, on their bodies. Um, and, uh, I mean, that's just one of the, the technologies behind motion capture, but basically that's the, that's how motion capture works is in that you have motion capture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In a stage and it's in a volume and the actors perform their stuff at the volume and the cameras around the stage kind of are, are watching and are recording the, uh, performance of the artists, uh, you know, they're all wearing special mocap suits, uh, with little sensors all, all over them. And, um, so that's, that's basically how it works. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a resolution thing, 
to where you know the more cameras, uh, the, the the better resolution you're going to have, the more data that you ha are going to have, um, and and so you know the more ca more cameras you have, the more accurate a representation of the actor's performance you're going to get uh, when you when you record it. I, I'm not sure what, what's the number minimum number of cameras you'd need for an accurate performance. Um, you get six to eight from what I've seen, uh, depending on what you're using. If you're using you know the cameras themselves, uh, like I said, you can use um, the the inertial ones that they have today in this that are built into the suit so mm -hmm. it's it's you've got a wi-fi device that's uh you know getting giving you the data of the movement of the of your limbs you know you've got the the markers on or the um the chips the the magnetometers are in the the joints of the care the, the person that's running around and they've got a wi-fi connected to either tablet or a computer and you can uh, actually put it in a backpack now today. Um, one of them is the Xens. You can you can uh, actually ride on a bike, run around outside, and so you're not you're not stuck to a studio or um, a capture stage. Yeah. Or yeah, exactly. Um, so it's a lot, lot more flexibility. I, it's amazing what you can do today, and the prices are really coming down a lot. And, and um, I'll, we'll discuss a little bit about those those prices uh, of the different various uh, solutions for motion capture for you know independent um, film creators or or people making video games and things. But it's interesting. It's a, um, go ahead. I was going to say that it sounds like that technique is is you is not lim, you know you're not limited by uh, you know you can shoot in, in broad daylight if you want to because you're not having to you know you're not measuring infrared light you can you can you can shoot in, broad, in the brightest of, of environments and still get a get a clean uh, performance right and a lot it. of that you can do that with the the optical active uh, the LED I believe I they're using that technique to emit light rather than the reflective markers I, I believe that's what they're using outside I saw a recent um, motion capture it was pretty impressive of a guy outside I don't know how many cameras they have but uh, it was an optitrack system that was um, you know picking up this guy on a, on a BMX bike and he was launching over a ramp. And it was really amazing the fidelity of what you can get today, because I know the original cameras back in the day were, were you know, 320 by 240. And now they're up to 4k. I don't even higher than that. They're, they're actually um, uh, picking up down to the micro detail of, of the markers. It's uh, it's amazing how, how, clean the data is too when it's being sh being captured today compared to before where it was so much because i've been using motion capture and editing it for over over a decade and um even longer and uh the, the first stuff you'd see is all the jitter from all of the captures you would do there's so much um, noise and stuff yeah noise and 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 you have to run filtering and all this other stuff and today it's just so much cleaner and so much so much better but uh you know go ahead well, I was going to say, let's let's go ahead and talk about you know we're, you you were mentioning markers and and these sensors on these suits and stuff. What you know for people uh, that may not be familiar with it, the markers actually the purpose of those markers is really to to outline you know the the structure of the actor. Um, you know, there's their uh, they have the markers placed on each section of the body, and they, and they're supposed to really define the joints or or the articulation points uh, of the performer. Um, and I guess it's also the case that you know we were talking about the more sensors or the more the more cameras you have. I guess that's true for markers as well. The more markers you have, 
the more accurate your capture is going to be, right? Well, I mean, I know that there's a to a point um, because a lot of times you have pretty much a structure of of the same amount of markers on a, on a um, on an actor, um, and you have to have enough on it so it can do the triangulation between the, the different cameras and, and, and pinpoint it in 3D space. Um, it's pretty set what you're going to use. You don't want to have too many markers because then that needs to be. Uh, tracked and then that needs to be filtered and then let's say you've got some occlusion of the character running around and and uh, some of the markers get occluded and and the cameras can't see it from either angle then you've got those kind of problems you got to run through so yeah i think it's uh, i don't know the exact number mm-hmm. but you know maybe 18 to 20 to you know somewhere around there maybe even a little bit more than that but not, not much there's they pretty much have a set number yeah, so I think it's probably like three per joint or like three per spot. body yeah. section or something. Yeah. 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 For the most part. Um, so once that motion data is recorded and cleaned up and, and uh, you know, filtered, um, there's a process called motion editing, I guess, that goes on top of that, which basically is part of the cleanup process or that's right. Or that might even be post post cleanup where you're trying to, you know, overlay animation on top of that. But um you know, once once that data is you know recorded, it's uh, then applied to a digital skeleton, right? And the, the skeleton's motion is driven by those recorded marker points. Yes, and they usually have their own proprietary software, like Vicon has their own, Optitract has their own, and you run it. They run it through their filtering software, where it cleans up that data, um, and it does a, it does a really really good job compared to you know over the last 10 years you see the the leaps and bounds in, in filtering and cleaning up of that software and, it, and they can return it to you pretty quickly in fact um it's interesting because even the they can set them up outside and and, and let's say you wanted to do uh, something in uh, a warehouse they can bring in uh, portable uh, you don't have to bring in the what you probably have seen and and, and some people have seen where they bring in a whole trellis or a whole you know uh structure to hang the cameras from from various mm-hmm. you know up above and down below um and you could do that uh in, in a stage and have it you know permanent uh which can be up to you know millions millions of dollars uh, depending on how many cameras and how high res they are and then you've got um you know the the portable stuff actually can work really really well as, uh, and and i've seen it it's it's amazing the uh it's amazing how many <laughs> how good it looks but you know what's interesting is is some of the history we we hadn't talked about a little bit of the history of it. Um, you know the first uh, did you know the first um, uh, feature film to actually use motion capture? You know which one that was? I'd have to say it's one of the Sinbad movies. Well, that was uh, no. <laughs> you talking oh. <laughs> about? I'm, I'm talking about actual motion capture. Uh, you know, using a suit. Oh, okay. Uh, no, no, I don't actually. It's uh, the film Total Recall. You remember that scene where uh, Arnold's walking through the x-ray body scanner at the airport? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The skeleton, right? Yeah, that was the first one uh, to be used uh, in a film. And it's a, there's, a, there's a funny story. I'll have to tell you about it if you're interested in hearing it. Are you, hear about, you want to hear the funny story about that whole sure. scene? Sure, yeah, go for it, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because um, the the VFX or I should say the CG, CGI director, his name is uh, Tim McGovern, on that shot, he was all excited because they're going to do this 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 first real uh, motion capture scene in a movie, and um, uh, they uh, got the day of the shoot. They requested um, that Arnold the the re- they requested for the wardrobe department that Arnold wear a black outfit 
because it would be easier for the cameras to see. I think they used eight cameras at the time to do their triangulation, and they put about 18 reflective balls on them. And These are those ping pong, ping pong balls, right? Right, right. Yeah. And so he came in there, and he's wearing white. <laughs> and, and they go, um, uh, Mr. Mr. Schwarzenegger, you're going to have to go back and change into black. And he goes, no, no, no. I, I'm not going to do his accent. He just said, no, no, we do, we're doing this with what I'm wearing right now. And so he ended up doing, um, they captured it. Um, and uh, they were all excited because the, the motion capture company that, that did, the, uh, did the shot um, said, oh, yeah, we'll get this to you. It's really good. It's the best, best data we've ever gotten and blah, blah, blah. And then uh, they find out a couple of weeks later that it's unusable. And um, so uh, Tim McGovern and his team had to go back in to the, the uh, video, which was not set up for this, and rotoscope the entire thing of him walking through there the first time and then running through there later when he gets detected with the, with the uh, gun on his hip. Um, mm-hmm. and so that, that was quite an interesting thing because it turns out it was actually a, a blessing because that he didn't wear uh, black because the, the film data or the film they were using to do the rotoscoping, they could see his body and his limbs mm-hmm. and everything else to do the rotoscope. They did that entire thing, just rotoscoped using a uh, power animator at the that's time. That's funny. Well, that, that kind of, that kind of. That's well, like we said, it's the poor man's mocap, you know. <laughs> right, and it looks and it looks so so good. Um, in fact, they uh, you know when they were, when he was walking up there and the, the you know you see the gla- it's all black glass uh, tempered glass that they had painted, and they walk through that scanner. Um, mm-hmm. They actually did another shot on the other side of it where on the other side where you don't see them when they walk behind it, you don't know what they're doing. But you but they got all the characters, all the people walking, including the guy with his dog and everything. Um, Pretty interesting how they did that. Um, he ended up getting a an Academy Award, special Academy Award for that uh, that shot. Um, interesting. Yeah, really interesting, really interesting well, story. Well, I know that uh, you know motion capture. I mean, at least at least early on, the motion capture technology was was obviously very tedious to use and and very expensive. Uh, so I, I, I you know then the motion capture suits weren't really that that accurate, and 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 there was a lot of cleanup that had to be done afterwards. Um, so it didn't really uh, take off, uh, you know, as a as a technique for that for that reason. I mean, it was used very sparingly at first, just because of the, the sheer cost of doing it. Um, and uh, early on, I mean, it was primarily used actually in the medical field uh, in the area of sports therapy um, to diagnose problems with a- an athlete's gait or or it, what they called gait analysis. But it was used by a lot of professional sports teams, uh, from football to baseball to golf, in order to improve the physical performance of, of the athletes. Yes. I remember seeing the, I remember seeing those that I, when we went to SIGGRAPH, seeing uh, the motion capture where they had uh, people in, you know, doing golf swings and smacking it into uh, this virtual space, uh, uh, you know, golf course. Uh, those things kind of were very interesting uh, at the time. But yeah, it was, yeah. But, you know, we were using that for a while in video gaming, we we had gotten stuff. I mean, all the way back to the the, the beginnings of 3D Studio Max. Um, that the back in the early '90s, we were using that in video games um, uh, with motion capture. I guess at that time it was uh, BVH files. Right, right. Yeah. We used that in Character Studio, wasn't it? What's that? Wasn't it Character Studio? Yeah, Character Studio. Um, so I guess it was BioVision. Um, yeah, yeah. So 
those things we were using for quite a while um, in the video. So it was really brought it was really brought into to fruition through the gaming industry. It sounds like uh, you know they were seemed to be the pioneer adopters of it, just because uh, it, it, there was so much animation required for video games that it just made sense to. I mean, hand animating mm-hmm. stuff is very time consuming, and you know we talked about a little bit of that in our in some of our past podcasts, but. Uh, motion capture really brought the level of realism up right. uh, to where it was a, a believable performance. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I think, do you remember that movie Final Fantasy? Yes, um, Spirits Within. Yep. Yeah, sure yeah. Do. I mean, that that was a, that was a, one of the first movies that I'd seen uh, using motion capture, uh, you know, that I knew was motion capture. But it was, it was groundbreaking. And, you know, it, although, you know, it crashed and burned at, at the box office, it, it, it really was uh, groundbreaking in the sense of, of of what they were able to to do with motion capture, compared to yeah, compared to the the early stuff that you saw like in Peter Gabriel's um, Steam video where they used that in the early nineteen nineties. Um, that that looking back at that, I just watched it the other day, and boy, does that look bad! <laughs> it looks so terrible. You know, there are there's um, you know, the, the, it's not one mesh, and the and the joints are moving all over the place on the character um, in that video. Uh, ooh. Yeah, I remember taking my son. Uh, they we had a over at uh, SEA Studios in San Diego. They had uh, bring your your kids to work day. I remember that. And uh, I had brought my young son uh, there. Uh, I think he was nine years old or so, nine ten. Uh, each department was having kind of an open house with different talks and demos of the stuff that they're doing, uh, stuff like that. And uh, we had just gotten the latest uh, in real time virtual camera technology, where it's not only did you motion capture. Uh, the actors, but you would motion capture the camera as well. And it was, you know, overlaid in real time. Um, and, and and we watched, you know, we had a big display screens around the capture stage uh, and it was projecting the, the virtual environment as well as the virtual characters that were being mo-capped. Uh, and when we, you know, especially my son, when he saw the motion capture uh, artists doing their thing and then we looked up on the screen and we see, you know, these, you know, zombies, you know, Doing the you know, mimicking the actor's motions, it was it was just incredible. Uh, he still talks about it uh, to this day. It, yes, to it was, see, yeah, to see, yeah, to, to see that to see that live like that, uh, especially back then, it was like magic, right? <laughs> there was magic, yes. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was phenomenal. It's like how that how the heck do they do that? You know, I and I think uh, you know most of the larger studios, uh, you know, use the high end mocap systems. Um, but uh, you know they they don't always work out on you know as we've as we've seen in uh, the early films like Beowulf and and uh, you know that was successful uh, uh, even even Polar Express which is wildly successful I mean it was hideous but successful <laughs> yes um, it just it just oh and the and Monster House it was uncomfortable to watch those that performance of those characters in Monster House and even the ghoulish uh, Christmas Carol starring Jim Carrey it was they were all using high end mo capped you know cutting edge tools but it 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 crossed you know we've talked about this in the past too the uncanny valley right where you know animated you know animated characters look almost human but not quite human enough and uh it really makes the the character uh, unappealing to 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 watch right and yes it's and and uh it's it's when you see it on a on a stylized character it, it bothers you a little bit more i think to see it because you're used to seeing cartoons where they're their exaggerated movements and you're seeing uh, it, it's, it's a very weird 
visual to see um, those stylized characters running around using real human movement. It's just... Uh, I think it works a lot better for non-humans. I mean, uh, a, a couple of those those uh, examples might be Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Um, they mocap the performance of Caesar uh, so well. Uh, it, uh, I think, there, there are calls for actually recognizing it at the Academy Awards for you know having a separate category just for mocap. <laughs> yeah, Andy Circus, amazing. He's amazing guy. I mean, even Avatar. Uh, they used mocap for Avatar and and Ultron in the uh, Age of Ultron, as as well as the most recently King uh, King Kong. I mean, but uh, granted, those are not humans, and I think that's why it works, you know, a lot better because that's still that uncanny valley that we have to get over technically. Yes, and, and every every it seems like every superhero film today is going to be using uh, some type of motion capture for um, the characters in the movie. It, it's it's used. So much today, uh, and and even in the the uh, the video gaming, like I I mentioned before, you've got your your intro cinematics, uh, the interstitials, trailers, you know the end, uh, you know for a single player uh, yeah. in the video games. So it, it's amazing how much they've used. And then we even talk about that they're capturing fingers now really really well, as well as facials been been doing uh, incredible work uh, capturing faces, whether you're using mm-hmm. markers or markerless. Uh, it's, so it's, do they capture those? Uh, they capture the entire performance together. So you get your your mocap of the of the physical performance, and you've got uh, another system that's that's mo that's that's mocapping your face facial expressions, and then yes. you've got another system that is 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 doing the motion capture for the hands uh, at the same time. Are there three systems that that work in tandem to, to yes. achieve that? Yes, okay. you're usually capturing at the same time because if you don't. Uh, it's very difficult to do it later and then match up the, you know, let's say you wanted to shoot the, the facial or the, or the fingers later. It, 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 to, to match those up for timing, it would be, it would be ridiculous. You have to do it at the same time um, to save, uh, you know, all that uh, editing. Would, would you say ha- uh, facial animation goes hand in hand with... Oh, it goes uh, hand that, in hand. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, well, you know, I think the really cool thing about... Uh, working uh, in motion capture uh, is you can use it not just for humans. And I, I was ta- alluding to some of those other creatures, but uh, I don't know if you knew Bender, uh, Benedict Cumberpatch, uh, Captain, uh, I mean, uh, Dr. Strange. Uh, he actually provided the mocap performance for uh, Smog, the dragon in the second Hobbit movie. No, I did not know that. Yeah. He was the performance actor for that. So you can use motion capture for a- animating a bunch of things. As a matter of fact, when uh, at Sony studios, we actually mocapped a dog for, um, for Killzone, um, we set actually put markers on the dog and ran him around. So the animal biomechanics, yeah, yeah, because yeah, animals are so hard to you know time consuming. It was just easier to put the mocap markers on the dog and have him perform and record it. Yes, they do that for um, for that as well as uh, I've seen them do it for horses as well. So um, I think in like you mentioned Beowulf, I think they had uh, some markers that they, they I wonder did they shoot Beowulf um, at SEA or did they use a different different studio? Do you remember? I don't. I'm sorry, Sean. Okay. Well, that's okay. I, I I know that they did some capturing of the horses because that looked pretty amazing. Um, uh, what else? Uh, oh, then yeah. Speaking of that, what about uh, some of the other other things? Uh, uh, the costs of some of these systems uh, are pretty pretty amazing. Um, Amazing. Uh, well, they're definitely. I mean, with the with with new technology, I, I think the price is coming down, especially with the pandemic. You know, it's really changed the way production's done. I mean, they don't. You know, having a motion capture stage is pretty limiting, and so having those marker markerless or or, or um, 
inertial uh, inertial uh, systems are really helpful because it really allows you to, to do things that you couldn't you were you know you were very limited uh, in, in being able to do earlier on and so uh, I think it's really you know especially with um, you know the need to be doing virtual productions and, and stuff like that um, I, I think I think it's only going to be get get cheaper uh, yes and some of those systems the uh, for example uh, I'll just name a few of them the uh, XNs, like I mentioned before, there's also Perception Neuron 3, version 3. And so you're looking at somewhere around, depending on which um, version of their, their suit you get, there's an Awinda, and then there's the Link, um, which is their more expensive one. You can go from like 3K um, all the way up to, gosh, on the XNs, I think it's all the way up to you know 12,000 just for the, the suits. And then you've got to pay for their software. But the perception neuron and, and the shadow motion capture system or the Rococo, mm -hmm. those are right around 2,500 bucks. Um, in fact, uh, Rococo, I think even has some smart gloves now that you can use perceptions had it. And I've, I've tested out that system. It's pretty, it's pretty good um, for, for what you want to do. And it was actually used in, I mean, it's used in several ind independent movies, one of them on our, on our website or on our YouTube channel as well. And then, but I still think, um, in my experience, the the optical is is uh, the passive system seems to be the most accurate for very very fast motions. Um, mm -hmm. So I would recommend those. Although you can spend you know you know twenty thirty thousand dollars on you know renting the stage and then the actual you know you have to pay the actors um, to come in. Which are prof they're professional actors, by the way. They're performance artists, if right. you will. Yeah, I, th I think that's actually a new category: is performance art. Right. Or motion, you know, the motion cap, uh, cap yeah. caption actors. Yeah. Though, I mean, you can do that as it, it, I've actually done it myself. I've, I've captured myself using uh, one of the, the um, uh, video markerless uh, called um, iPi. Um, that one is pretty neat. It uses either depth cameras uh, like the Connect or um, use multiple Sony um, PSI cameras, PlayStation Eye cameras. You set those up in different um, positions, and then you have an avatar. You, you do your movement, and you have the avatar uh, that they give you in the program, and you match up the avatar, avatar with your body in a T-pose, and then it kind of it uh, syncs the video with that avatar, and it works pretty well. I mean, um, that that could be that's a pretty uh, inexpensive. It goes like six hundred ninety-five bucks all the way up to um, two thousand for the pro license, uh, where it actually can track multiple persons using the, just those cameras. Well, we're getting to the end of the podcast. Do you have any uh, final words, uh, anything, uh, uh, any final thoughts uh, as far as motion capture goes? Well, shoot. Um, I, I kind of, it bums me out. We're, we're done. I wanted to go into some of the, I wanted to go into some of the, <laughs> we're always saying that, right. I wanted to go into some of the, 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 the places that it hasn't, you know, besides entertainment, you know, video games and, and film, I, I just real quickly, they, you know, they use uh, motion capture in, in, uh, in for engineering, um, eye tracking, AR, VR. Um, they've even done some tracking of, of uh, UAV drones uh, and then robotic tracking. So there's all these different uh, military aspects as well as engineering and things like that I wanted to go into. But uh, that was pretty much it. Well, you, 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 you know, that's one of the reasons why the military is using this technology as well, because they're able to combine the virtual reality uh, to enhance the military training experience for our soldiers. That's, yes. that's a pretty sweet, sweet yeah. system. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think the, 
the really cool thing about working in motion capture is that it, it kind of has the effect of, you know, being like a, a not only a puppeteer, but you're also the marionette at the same time. You know, you're 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 acting as a as a puppet and and the control of the puppeteer. Yes. I think it's a really cool aspect. And and uh, you know, I'd say that you know if you're aspiring to to be or work in be a mocap artist or work in the mocap field. Uh, like any other artists, uh, you need to keep learning and, and make time to experiment so that you know you can stay ahead of the curve because um, there really is no one-size-fits-all mocap solution. I mean, we've talked about some that are better than others, but um, my personal opinion is we're going to see some some <clears throat> drastic technological changes here in the next few years, especially due to the uh, introduction of AI and machine learning uh, advancements in the technology. So there's, there's a lot of, lot of cool stuff coming, everyone. Yes, I got well, um, you want to do the, the 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 outro? You bet. You know, we, we really hope you liked our discussion today as we answered Amanda's question, what is motion capture and how is it used in film and gaming? And we, we want to thank you for joining our podcast. Uh, today, you learned what the art of motion capture is and how and why it came about. And we discussed some of the early history of mocap. And uh, you learned about how mocap started out and uh, how it's changed over the years to kind of become what you're seeing today. Um, you also learned some interesting facts about how motion capture has been used in some of your favorite movies, um, as well as maybe some uh, uses for mocap that you that you may not have heard of before. But uh, we'd like to ask you guys a favor and to please share this video podcast with your friends, especially if you found it entertaining, interesting, or, or valuable. You know, again, we do this uh, podcast for you every week, and we uh, we love doing it. You know, how to do the art and craft of creating 3D and CGI animation and digital VFX, as well as other related subjects that uh, you may have always wanted to know more about. We appreciate you being here, and if you've got a question, just let us know about the uh, know that question in the comments section below. If you're watching us on YouTube. Or you can uh, uh, go to our any, Ask Us Anything page by heading to our website at thecgbros.com and go to the About Us menu and then submit your question there like uh, Amanda did. Yeah, Amanda, yeah. Yep. Uh, and then also be sure to hit that like button, of course, and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you're a newcomer to our podcast, click the notification bell so you'll be uh, uh, known as soon as we publish our next podcast. Remember that if you can't watch us, you certainly can listen to us on our audio version of this podcast that uh, you can find on all major podcast platforms as well. Yeah. So we're both uh, looking forward to seeing you here back next week uh, for the podcast episode 2122. And uh, we'll be doing a deep dive into the question, what are dynamic simulations and how are they used in CGI? You know, that's going to be very simulating. I mean, stimulating. <laughs> ah, that's a great one. Till next time. Take care. Sorry. Bye-bye. Bye. That's it for today. We hope you enjoyed the CG Bros answer to the question, what is motion capture and how is it used in film and gaming? Thanks for being with us. If you're watching us on YouTube or other social media, please give us a like and make a comment. If you haven't yet subscribed, please hit the subscribe button and ring the bell so you'll be notified when we post our next podcast. You can listen to our podcasts on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Audible.com, and Stitcher. If you're listening on Spotify, you can now share the podcast to Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr with the share link. That's the circle with the three dots in it. You can contact us on our website at thecgbros.com 
and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Tumblr, and Instagram. Oh, and don't forget to tell all your friends about this podcast series. And be sure not to miss the next episode, when the CG Bros will answer the question, What are dynamic simulations, and how are they used in CGI? This has been Episode 2121 of the CG Bros CG Insider Podcast. See you next time.